Welcome to the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to making life more enjoyable for young families by hitting on the financial topics that tend to weigh on us, stress us out, and distract our focus from simply enjoying life. Hello and welcome to the fourth series in the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Show. Should be a lot of fun, uh, at least as much fun as finances can be, <laughs> and uh It really includes a little bit of everything this season. What makes me most excited about this season, though, is that it has really universally applicable concepts. If you're joining us for the first time, we've already covered a number of different areas in the first three seasons. Uh, Series one was your money mindset, where we covered a lot of those overarching concepts to help you getting your mentality on the right track and how you approach money. Why you're even working so hard and earning it to begin with what direction it's going in, and what you need to do to protect your family in the process. Series two, your money multipliers built on that, diving into easy, simplified cash flow techniques and other opportunities to kind of further maximize and secure your situation. Series three, we completely changed gears, going to your parents' money mindset, where we tried to help you be able to converse better with your parents about money and take potentially huge steps forward in avoiding headaches, in some case taxes, and maximize not only making life more enjoyable for you, but your parents as well, which is really fantastic to be able to go through. That brings us back to the fourth series here, which is titled Your Major Money Misnomers. Topics that me as an advisor, I see come up time and time again that people have incorrect assumptions and approaches about, obviously, you know, in my opinion at least, (laughs) So today we're going to start off with one of the most popular ones, cryptocurrency. I pushed this episode all the way to the top this season because we've been seeing a growing trend of similar questions from clients and seen some not necessarily best actions uh, in regards to crypto, and I really felt it needed to be more immediately attended to. So today we're going to cover what you need to know about the origins of cryptocurrency the reasoning for that creation, and what you can do with that understanding now when you see the headlines. My wife and I have a couple of really good friends going back to our college days. Unlike us, they very much enjoy cooking, (laughs) and as we had kids earlier, have many times come up and made some really great meals for us. One limitation, though, that our kitchen imposes is that we don't have some cooking tools and, you know, whatnot that let's say more culinary inclined people (laughs) tend to have. I don't have a zester or a pasta maker or open bowl of coarse salt to kind of pinch and add in as needed. Not, Not exactly us. I also don't have one of those meat tenderizers, which to me, I would just call, you know, a hammer. So this wonderful couple came up to visit us, make dinner for us all, I didn't have this meat tenderizer. We were trying to find an alternative and I wound up giving them, you know, a small frying pan. That seems like it could work, right? It did work uh, well enough, I guess, as far as I could tell. But later I noticed it was most definitely broken. The handle had cracked right through. Now, unless they are listening to this, they still won't ever know, which is great because the meal was wonderful. The pan was cheap and it was all definitely worth their graciousness in providing a great home cooked meal they otherwise did not have to give to us. The point here, though, was that the pan was not a meat tenderizer. It was a pan. And when you use a pan as a meat tenderizer, it's not really surprising that the pan had a negative outcome. 
So what you need to know about cryptocurrency is that how many people are currently using it, which is in an extremely speculative manner, is not how it was created to be used. It wasn't developed as a means of get-rich-quick wealth creation. The word currency, as you know it to this point, has been defined as kind of this medium of exchange for goods and services. Usually it's issued by some kind of a government, and it's generally accepted as a method of payment. You have a dollar bill in your pocket, you go to the store, and they will take that dollar bill in exchange for that Snickers candy bar. The dollar bill is just a piece of paper, but it is a relatively stable, established medium of exchange. This way you don't have to trade, you know, a goat or a bushel of hay every time you have a sweet tooth. We have this standardized method of payment to purchase things from each other. You've heard of euros, yens, Swiss francs. They all work the same way. They're just currencies issued by other government entities. And right now there are roughly 180 recognized currencies worldwide. Cryptocurrency, though, is a digital currency. It's not issued or insured by any government. As such, new cryptocurrencies can be created, and as of January 2021, there are over 4,000. So when you hear the word Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, or whatever the new one may be tomorrow, these are all just different virtual currencies that people have literally created all over the world. So you may be wondering, why did anyone go through any of the trouble to create it? After the 2008 financial crisis, a group of coders who, like many people, were not happy with the roles banks played in the crisis and wanted a means to remove the banks as a required intermediary in processing financial transactions. They created Bitcoin, which is considered kind of the original and largest cryptocurrency and most likely the one that you're most familiar with. Because it is not using banks, or any government involvement, it needs its own peer-to-peer -peer system to process and validate transactions, which is probably have guessed it does so digitally. <laughs> to try to somewhat simplify the mechanics of this, basically there is a huge giant network of computers out there of those people that are participating, and they're using complex algorithms to validate these transactions. This is where you get the crypto part of cryptocurrency. Now, as a reward for participating their computer power into this crypto aspect to make the whole system work, these participants are rewarded with shares of Bitcoin. So if you've heard of people mining before, this is essentially what they're doing. Because there is no central authority, that's kind of the whole point of it, this makes it completely decentralized. And because it is virtual, unlike your dollar bills, it needs to be stored in a special, what they call, digital wallet. You can't just walk into your bank and deposit some crypto. Now, proponents of cryptocurrency like the fact that it is not tied to the decisions of any government, no bank involvement, and therefore the inflation that can result from actions of any individual government are not tied to any cryptocurrency. You also can see potential advantages in developing countries where say a family working in a developed country may want to easily move money to friends and family back at home. So now that you have a little bit of a better idea maybe of the origins and the reasoning and the, the original purpose, what you can do is come at what you hear from headlines from friends and family members, 
hopefully with a little bit of a different context. Because what has really grabbed headlines and popularized Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as a whole is not its decentralized network or possible avoidance of traditional currency inflation. That's really been true all the way back to 2009. It's how drastically the value has fluctuated over the last few years. It wasn't really until 2017 where you saw these big valuation changes that it gained in such popular notoriety. Now, depending on when you get in or out can result in you hearing these huge boom stories or also these huge bust stories. There really is no question that the value has been incredibly unstable among cryptocurrency and the speculation has been just completely extreme. There is no underlying company or government that can be said to contribute to its actual valuation. As an example, Elon Musk tweeted earlier this year, April 2021, and sent the price of Bitcoin down over 50%. This leads us all the way back round circle to the definition of currency, a medium of exchange for goods and services that is relatively stable. So while an argument certainly can be made for the possible shortcomings of current government monetary policy and the banks that are involved with it, and there is no denying cryptocurrency uses just remarkable, remarkable technology in its data validation process, as of today, you can't use it to buy your groceries probably when you go tomorrow or the next time you go to Target, and it really has been anything but stable. So those two core components of a traditional currency stability to some degree, and the ability to you know, readily trade it for other things. So a quick recap of today is that there are a wide range of opinions out there on what cryptocurrency may turn into, from the future of how we conduct business to just a passing fad, but hopefully this at least gives you a little bit more information on its origins after the financial crisis and the role of banks in that the reasoning for its creation to remove those banks from being required intermediaries and potentially avoid government-based currency inflation. And finally, why you have been hearing so much about it lately, which are for completely different reasons. The one really main thing to take away from this episode, and I'll reiterate it one more time because of that, is why its founders even created it to begin with. It was an alternative means to the traditional banking system not as a means of extreme speculation and quick wealth creation. Just like any other thing that we've talked about, whether it be traditional investments or insurance, it's all about are you using it for the right purpose. Thanks for tuning in today. As always, if you are able to implement what we cover, then that's fantastic. You have less to worry about than before, and you can just focus more on enjoying life. If you are wanting help with these things, though, or have questions you need help in clarifying, check out the Ask Joe section on the show's website, www.enjoymore30s.com. That's enjoymore30s.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. There are literally millions of young families out there I'm trying to reach and help just like you. The next episode is Pack for the Financial Trip You're Wanting to Take and where we're going to connect on how it's important to tailor the financial recommendations you hear to what you are actually trying to accomplish. Until next week, thanks for joining me today, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. The conversations on this show are Joe's opinions and provided for general information purposes only. They do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice for your specific situation. 
you should always seek appropriate advice from a financial advisor, accountant, lawyer, or other professional before acting upon any content or information found here first. Joe is affiliated with New Horizons Wealth Management LLC, a branch office of TFS Securities Inc. and TFS Advisory Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC.